This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The only guy, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's it's the truth. The only guy in this offense who consistently night in and night out gives you quality at-bats, gets on base. He went three for three in game three of this series. He was on base four times. It's Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham has very quietly earned team MVP votes. And that's disgusting. That's how you know you're having a crappy year. You're having a crappy year because, look, no matter how bad your team is, there's a team MVP, at least in my mind, right? And no matter what year it is, go back to 2009, there's a team MVP. Go back to 1993, there's a team MVP. In 2023, there'll be a team MVP till they trade his ass. But Tommy Pham, night in, night out. So we can't complain. In fact, let's take this a step further. I'm going to be honest with you. Until we get to the point of just play the kids, and that's coming. I want to make that clear. The just play the kids moment is coming where we don't care about wins anymore. And it's simply, I want to see these guys. We're not there, but we're close. We're still trying to win games, right? Still trying to win games. Tommy Pham should be batting second. Second. Starling Marte needs to be moved out of that two-hole like he did three months ago. I mean, if, we, if we're being real here, we're talking about winning baseball games. Tommy Pham should be hitting second. Now, look, game three of this series, Tommy Pham was batting fifth. Game four of this series, Tommy Pham is batting fifth. So I'm not downgrading where he's hitting in the lineup. The problem is they don't have enough good, consistent hitters, so you almost have to pick your poison. I'd hit him in the two-hole over Starling Marte. That's for damn sure. Am I crazy? Uh, no, especially the way that Marte ended the uh, game four. It was just brutal, dude. Oh. I mean, did he swing at a strike? Was there a strike? Did Devin Williams throw a strike in the ninth inning? I mean, I'm, I'm seriously asking you that. It's almost as if, and let's jump right to game four, because that's the story of game four. Well, Max Scherzer, too. We'll get to him. But let's start with Starling Marte. Starling Marte had one of the worst one for fives I've ever seen. I don't know if I've ever seen a worse one for five than I saw from Starling Marte. Beginning of this game, Brandon Immo draws a walk, grounds into a tailor-made 6-4-3 double play. Has a hard hit single in the third. Can't take anything away from him on that right after the back-to-back home runs. His strikeout in the fifth. (laughs) The strikeout in the fifth was as if I took a major league at bat against Adrian Hauser. That's how overmatched and messy Starling Marte looked. It was so bad. I mean, he's flailing and missing. He's given like half check swings. What the hell was that? Then he comes up in the seventh inning right after the Brewers had just taken the lead. The bases are loaded. 
Brandon Nimmo just got hit by a pitch. He's all excited. And Starling Marte does the one thing he cannot do. And that is ground into the easiest double play in the history of baseball. Terang is just standing there by the base as he picks it up, steps on the bag, and throws to first. But here's what's crazy. He was given a reprieve. Because in the bottom of the ninth inning, Devin Williams walks Brandon Nemo. This is after he walked Mark Hanna. This is after he gave up a nice crisp, crisp single to Francisco Alvarez. This is after Mark Hanna stole third. And Starling Marte had a chance to bail out Buck Showalter. Why? I'll get to that in a second, too. And he strikes out on three pitches. And no, Pete, he didn't swing at a strike. It's almost as if Starling Marte had a game plan. I'm going to swing three times, and I'm going to hope, I'm just going to hope that I get one of those air benders from Devin Williams and I hit the crap out of it. And if I don't, well, we all go to bed because that was a good morning, good afternoon, and good night situation if you've ever seen one. And with a fired-up city field because it was loud and the base is loaded and a chance to have a dramatic victory that's not going to save the season but at least give us some good feeling He strikes out on three pitches in a meek, meek fashion. And that's why if there's one guy to rip today, you know, I think on the last Rico, I spent a lot of time ripping Jeff McNeil, which I I could do again. Now he's, oh, he had a a double. Great. What about his three other at-bats, including swinging at the first pitch against Devin Williams in the ninth inning? Like, we could rip Jeff McNeil all day. Today's about Starling Marte. Today's about Mr. Two-Hitter, Starling Marte. He left seven men on base in game four of this series, seven, two bases loaded situations, a double play with one out and a strikeout in which he basically closed his eyes and said, I'm going to swing three times and I'm going to hope good things are going to happen. And he heard it from the crowd after the game and he should for as good as he was last year. And as fired up as we was when he came back from that injury early, he has been miserable. We make that list of why the Mets suck this year. He's he's high up on the list, man. And that was a brutal at-bat to end that game. Oh, And it's funny. I don't know if you caught this at all. And I it was while Marte, I think, was stepping up to the plate. But there was a woman in the crowd, I think, uh, who was, who just walked before him. It was... Um, Brandon Nemo. Nemo, right, yeah. A woman in the crowd was yelling, stop swinging at everything. Because that's what they were – like, even Nimmo was, like, swinging at pitches. I'm like, dude, they're not close to the – like, everything's dipping low. Everything's out of the zone. Like, just let it go. Devin Williams is very, very tough to hit. And I think the Mets have certainly – they've shown you that in this four-game series when two of his saves was without breaking a sweat, at least in this save. Oh, at least. They battled. <laughs> I give you a buckism. But no, Devin Williams is elite, so I think it's easier said than done. Don't swing, don't swing. But I get your point. Like, the Mets were, their pitch selection against Devin Williams was brutal. There's no question. No doubt. And and there was a small part of me when Marte got up, and I'm glancing over at my son fired up, and the crowd's rocking, that thought, all right, at least we're going to get a good moment. Not that it's going to turn the season around. Not that I was going to sit here on the Rico. Hey, this is the moment. This is the game. But there was that small part of me that thought, Maybe he's going to come through. Maybe this is going to be the big hit. And it didn't happen. Now, let me get to my issue with Buck. 
and I and I assume we're all going to have the same issue. I assume we're all together on this. So it really all started back in the seventh inning of this game. Holby Milner is Craig Council's like baby. He loves him. Side-arming, really submarining left-handed pitcher. And Holby Milner is very, very tough on lefties. And a night earlier, he made Brett Beatty look awful. I want to make that clear. He did. So Hobie Milner comes into this game in the seventh inning to face Vogelbach, Alvarez, and Beatty. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Buck chooses to pinch hit for Vogelbach with Mark Hanna. Great. Mark Hanna singles. Mets are in business. Alvarez just missed a two-run home run. Hit one a deep right center field. I thought Alvarez looked better at the plate. He had some issues defensively. We'll get to that. But he looked better at the plate and just missed a two-run home run. Now, here's the tricky spot, because I want to cover all ends of this stuff. Brent Beatty is due to hit with a runner on first and one out, and the Mets are down a run. Brett Beatty has done as well against lefties as he has against righties. We, we have acknowledged that. We also have to acknowledge, if we're being fair, that Hobie Milner made Brett Beatty look very bad a night earlier. And that's clearly on Buck's mind. The problem with pinch hitting for Beatty is not, I hate Mendick versus Milner. That's not it. My issue is it's the seventh inning. And because it's the seventh inning, and I'm looking at my scorecard, there's a re- very likely scenario that that spot in the order is going to come up again. And if that spot in the order comes up again and it's a close game, you're likely to be facing a right-handed pitcher, which means Danny Mendick is either, either getting another at-bat, and remember, he doesn't have a hit yet for the Mets at this point against the righty, or you're going to Luis Guillorme or Omar Narvaez. That's what bothered me. I want to make that clear. Mendick for Beatty against Milner, I understand. Like, I get, I'm not saying I love it, but I get it. Beatty looked overmatched against Toby Milner the night before, and it's likely the same thing happens. But because it's the seventh inning, I'm thinking about the next at-bat. Like, this, to me, wasn't going to be the ninth spot in the order's final at-bat. So when he sends up Mendick, I had an issue with it, more so for the ninth than I did in the seventh. Now, Mendick bailed Buck out because he hits a ground. Well, actually, let me let me rephrase that. Mendick did not bail Buck out. Brian Anderson's defense bailed Buck out because Mendick hits a ground ball to third that should be a double play. It's booted by Brian Anderson. Canna goes first to third, great aggressive base running by him, and the Mets are set up with first and third one out. So the move in the short term, great. No, no harm, no foul. Obviously, that led to the first issue with Marte because after Nimmo gets hit, bases loaded, one out, double play. We all know that. We already addressed it. So now the game rolls on, and here we go in the ninth inning. And as I'm looking at who's due up in the ninth, I'm thinking, you see, this is the problem. McNeil. Canna, Alvarez, and if anyone gets on base, Danny Mendick. So what happens? The Mets shockingly get a base runner against Devin Williams. They got two. And so they're set up with first and third, one out for Danny Mendick. Except Buck realizes, well, that's not a good option. I guess I'll go to Luis Guillorme, which I get. Fine. But that's why you don't pinch it for Beatty two innings earlier. 
Now, in the seventh inning, sure, you're doing everything you can to try to tie the game up because the Mets are down by a run. Sure, yes, I know that. But you also had to figure this was going to happen. You got to think ahead. I'm thinking ahead. We're all thinking ahead. And so it leads to first and third, one out, Luis Guillorme. And we know what happens. He hits the little ground ball to first base. The runner advances. Canna can't score. Comes down to Nemo. He draws a walk. Comes down to Marte. He strikes out. If Brett Beatty's up in that spot, I have no idea what happens. None of us do. He could hit a game-winning home run. He could ground into an effing double play. I have no idea. But we all agree, Beatty is a much better option than Luis Guillorme or Danny Mendick. So I hated that decision by Buck in the seventh inning. Now, I, I hated it too. And again, when Guillorme's up, I'm like, I was actually begging in the ninth inning for like, I wish Vogelback was still in the game to, 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 to just look at pitches and not swing. But here's, <laughs> the, pro- here's the problem, Ev. And we've, I've to- we've talked about this so many times. And and when they traded Escobar and Mendick got the call up, the first thing I said was, you don't need two Guillormes on the team. And that's what Danny ben- Mendick is. They're, they continue to cripple themselves. Well, yeah, because if it's Vientos, like you had suggested, because you mentioned it, you're like, why Mendick, why not Vientos? You're right. The Mets offensively in this game have a much better option. If Mark Vientos is pinch hitting for Brett Beatty against Toby Milner, we're all probably not angry about it. And then you probably let Vientos hit in that ninth inning against Devin Williams. And again, who knows? You know, maybe he comes through, maybe he doesn't, but I think we all feel better about it. The problem is, if they're not going to play Mark Vientos every single day, then yeah, while he may be a better pinch hit option off the bench that Mendick is, do you really want him sitting there to rot? And that's the issue because he's still a prospect. I saw something very weird about Mark Vientos. Not very weird, but something that tells you, I think, a lot about what the issue is or what the Mets issue is with Mark Vientos. Because I can't tell you I agree with it. I'm not saying I do. I'm just saying this is clearly the Met problem. Mike Puma, who is a very good beat reporter for the Mets, New York Post, put something out the other day that spoke to me. And I'm going to read it to you. Mark Vientos has impressed Mets officials with his attitude since returning to AAA Syracuse. His work ethic and mindset are said to be in the right place with the understanding he'll get an opportunity in the majors at some point. So you see that tweet by Puma and you say, well, that's great. That's that's fantastic. That's not great. Why do you have to point out that his attitude, his work ethic, and his mindset is so great? Almost as if it wasn't. Almost as if that's been the problem. And and maybe it is. I don't know. We're not in the locker room. Maybe Mark Vientos had an attitude problem or a mindset problem. But that's a very passive-aggressive way of the Mets kind of getting the message out by having a beat reporter compliment what Met officials say about Vientos now as if that wasn't the case a month ago or six weeks ago. So I thought that that tweet basically told us all we need to know about what the Mets think of Vientos. They think he has an attitude problem. Yeah, well, I think the Mets have a, a development problem and they can't evaluate talent problem. And not for nothing, but I would be a dick too if I was Mark Vientos getting called up and not and playing three out of six d- 
get games to start the season or start to start the season with uh, you know get when I get called up and then pitch hitting every couple of games and not really getting a fair shot. I I totally get it too. And listen, I get it. There's vets on the team, but they suck. They haven't performed, and you call up a guy to sit on the bench. We've all discussed it. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they they treated him like crap. They handled him like crap. And if he was here right now in that kind of crap role, the Mets would have been better off in the short term because they would have had a better bench piece to come off the bench and pinch hit for Brett Beatty against Hobie Milner in a one-run game. Now, let's find out why we had a one-run game. We had a one-run game because Max Scherzer, and I know it's tough to kill him because he's pitched a lot better, and at the end of the day, six innings, two runs is a solid performance, but it still bothers me. It bothers me that he had a 2 nothing lead. It bothers me that for some reason, Vic Caratini owns him. Vic Caratini is Max Scherzer's daddy. It bothers me that in the sixth inning with a two-run lead, Vic Caratini, of all people, is hitting the game-tying two-run home run. It just felt very typical Max Scherzer. I know he can't be perfect every single game. He can't go eight scoreless innings or seven scoreless innings. But watching him like he did on opening day against the Marlins, flush a lead by giving up a two-run or three-run home run, it's very frustrating. It just is. So I know the game isn't on Max Scherzer. I get it. Six innings, two runs at the end of the day is solid. But he's paid to not equal Adrian Hauser. And he did. Adrian Hauser went six innings, two runs. Great. Uh, That's what it was. He's paid to be an ace, and aces don't sit there with a two-run lead in the sixth inning and give up a two-run home run to a backup catcher, and that's what he did. So overall, was Max Scherzer okay on Thursday? It was fine. It was all right, but he flushed the lead. Didn't help that the Mets couldn't do anything offensively outside of the home runs. Brett Beatty hit a home run. Brandon Nimmo went opposite field, and that was the only offense that they had, and the defense was just, okay, a couple of things. Max Scherzer and Francisco Alvarez combined on a bunt pop-up by, I think it was Bryce Terang in the second inning. I think that's when it happened. He lays down a bunt. It's popped up. And Alvarez and Scherzer are all going after it. And Scherzer and Alvarez run into each other. And my first reaction, I know it's going to be so predictable because I hate Max Scherzer. My first reaction is Max. Can you let Francisco Alvarez make the play? Problem is, a few innings later, Francisco Alvarez said to me, no, Evan, you're an idiot, because he dropped the foul pop-up from uh, Blake Perkins, which turned out to be no harm, no foul, because they got the out anyway. But it was just another one of those messy defensive performances, because both mistakes turned out not to kill them. So it's easily forgettable, but when you're watching it, it's not aesthetically pleasing. Scherzer and Alvarez combining and Alvarez dropping a pop-up. Overall, I want to compliment Alvarez, though. He's been going through this massive offensive slump. I thought he had a better offensive day in game four. As I mentioned, he had the base hit in the ninth inning. He almost did a home run in the seventh inning. I think overall his defense, though, has been good. I'm not talking about pop-ups. I'm talking about calling games. I'm talking about his pitch framing. It is not something that's affected him on the defensive side. And I think we all agree, he's just got to go out there every single day. Despite the batting average drop, he's got to go out there and he's just got to play. He's still a rookie. He's still extremely young. He's still the future behind the plate. 
go out there and play. You know, the Met offensive issues can't be traced necessarily to one guy. It's a collective problem, but it's more Starling Marte. It's more Pete Alonso, who's done very little. It's more Jeff McNeil on why this team has struggled offensively the last two days. But it's kind of like what Steve Cohen said in his press conference and something we've said a lot. They are such a bad team. Last year, they were the opposite in that they would always find ways to win and they'd pick each other up. And now it's the opposite. They'll find ways to lose. One day, it'll be the offense. One day, it'll be the pitching. One day, it'll be the defense. One day, it'll be the manager. The last week has shown you that. Look at the way they lost Sunday. Look at the way they lost Monday. Look at the way they lost Thursday. Look at the way they lost Wednesday. It's so, hey, we're just going to find a million different ways to lose. We're going to have a different person for you guys to rip after every single series loss. Some days it'll be Jeff McNeil. Remember Francisco Lindor used to kill him. Now it's Starling Marte. It'll be Pete Alonso real soon. It'll be the overrated aces, as we've seen. It'll be the bullpen. It'll be the manager. Just brutal. They just, they're a bad team. And as we approach July, that's what they are. It's no longer, well, there's half a season to go. There's 80% of the season to go. No, no. This is who they are. They're a bad team. And I think even you, Pete, have come around to that. Yeah, well, it uh, it put me in a bad spot, by the way, because now I'm trying to save the season myself. I don't know if I you cut know. cut your hair? Ain't going to work. It's <sighs> too late. Well, I'm going to give it a shot. At least uh, tomorrow at 12, I'm, I'm shaving my head for, for the Mets' sake. 